0: Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
1: Getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
2: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise
0: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So going to be on with you on this Tuesday. November the 8th, 2022. Praise be to God. It is midterm day. It's election day. And are the polls telling the truth? Is there going to be a red wave coming today? Will New York even flip? I mean, not only is there governor at stake, but also they have several House members as well. And what does that say for the rest of the country? I don't know. We're going to talk about that on the program today. So join us if and you can. And when will we know the results? Well, good luck. God bless. It may be a while. Uh, Hey, also on the program, Dr. Dominic Aquila, a history professor at University of St. Thomas, is going to be on. He's got a brand new book out called The Church and the Age of Enlightenment, uh, 1648 to 1848, Faith, Science, and the Challenge of Secularism. Uh, He's an old friend here at the program, but uh, this was the age that gives us, let's see, the goodness of scientism, of mm-hmm. communism, yeah. of revolution. Mm. So what's none to love? Uh, I guess we'll have that Don't conversation. forget the goddess of reason. <laughs> the goddess of reason. All coming up at 35 past the hour. Top of the next hour, Attorney Brent Ains is back, uh, even in spite of the fact that he had to hang out with the two of you for a whole solid week. <laughs> I'm
3: surprised he wanted to come he, back. <laughs> uh, like,
0: by his graciousness and just offering up the suffering of, of that experience while I was on vacation, he is coming back The top of the next hour, we're going to talk about Rep. Clyburn and doubling down on the Nazi Germany comparison. But isn't this like that's what everybody does? It's like just everything is compared to Hitler and to Nazi Germany. That's what a Nazi would say.
4: That's what That's what a Nazi would
0: say. Is that true? I don't know. We're going to talk to Brent Haynes about that. Uh, so much more on the program. Lots in the news, of course. Hey, a new ABC News poll, Washington Post poll, found that 80% of likely voters call the economy a top issue in the vote for Congress. 77% say the same about inflation. So there's a lot on the agenda today. A new Trafalgar Group poll found that a majority of American voters, including 42.7% of Democrats, say they are not likely... ...to vote for candidates who support gender transgen- tra- gender transitions for children. 26% of Democrats say they would be not likely at all to vote for such a candidate. Hmm, I wonder if the Dems ever listened to that. Well, I don't know, we'll find out. Sony Pictures is a- releasing a PG version of Father Stew. It'll be PG-13, down from rated R. No cur- curse words in this. I probably still won't watch it, but there you go. I would go. probably watch it now. <laughs> Uh, out of state billionaires, George Soros and Michael Bloomberg are putting in huge, huge Uber dollars into the Prop 3 ballot measure in Michigan to uh, make abortion a constitutional right there. Hopefully they lose on that. Not only their money, but the, uh, the, the vote itself. Catherine Engelbrecht, you might remember, we interviewed her. She was the true-the-vote lady. Mm-hmm. Remember that whole documentary that they did uh, about the election results and, yeah, 2000 and all 2,000 mules. Yeah, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips were put in jail because they refused to inform the court of who their sources were in election tampering of the Koenig, a Michigan-based election management software company, whose founder, by the way, was arrested uh, for allegedly stealing poll worker data and, and giving... Uh, all this information hosted on Chinese servers. Well, they were released yesterday. I, I didn't even know they were in jail until I saw the article. Yeah, I didn't either. I saw it. I was surprised. But yeah, uh, I well. would love to get her back on the program tonight. But at any rate, that's uh, that's the your quick news. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And there was an ominous moon out this morning. Is it the blood? It moon. was blood. Now did you see it? for the red mm.
4: wave. Now, did, well,
0: but I saw blue clouds covering it. Hmm. Does, so what does that? How do I symbolize uh, ah. pipe, pipes bursting?
2: Pipes, <laughs> <what it> <laughs> a blue, uh, bl- a blue
0: clouds covering the red wave of the moon. Is is what this all the heaven speaking today? I don't know. And then the clouds parted. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to sit around and find out. And huh? DeSantis came out. Yeah, but now you're voting today, right? <laughs> Am I, I voting today? Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about it in the after show. Come on, man! Nah. Yeah. You, have a, you have
2: a civic duty. Do you I? Yes, you do. I don't. I don't. Adrian, do does I, he Adrian, have a civic do duty? I? Does he have a civic duty? Yikes! Uh, why you got throw me into this? Uh, <laughs> You're voting today. I, I already, voted. Adrian, you already voted. I already. Isn't I, already, a I voted a dozen vote. times last week. You did. I'm gonna oh, vote another dozen today. <laughs> <response> <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, the, I mean, I wouldn't say you have a a civic duty. In fact, mm-hmm. and in the mm-hmm. sense that. You have an obligation to do it. I see. But I would say that it is the most uh, prudent decision to go and find a uh, okay. and vote. Mm. I and guess vote we'll have off. to also revise the Catechism on that issue as well because it does say we have a civic duty. To really? Vote.
0: Yeah. Under yes, pain of mortal sin. Uh, it doesn't say pain of mortal well, sin. But it says we have a well, civic duty. duty. Duty means
2: obligation. So mm. okay. Mm-hmm. I like to see
0: where so the catechism. very least spanial. it does say that. Okay. Though. Well, I I'll have, I have to bust that out. We'll have to talk about it later. All right. Let's pray. Let's begin. We have a much In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is uh, Tuesday, November
3: 8th. And here are your headlines this morning. LifeSite reports, U.S. court says grocery store Kroger must pay two employees $180,000 following a religious discrimination lawsuit. The women believed an emblem that they were required to wear endorsed LGBTQ values and that wearing it would violate their religious beliefs. One woman offered to wear the apron with the emblem covered, and the other offered to wear a different apron without the emblem, but the company made no attempt to accommodate the requests. Lawson and Rickard had worked for the company for about 8 and 13 years respectively, and were fired within days of each other in 2019. The lawsuit argued that Kroger had violated the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which prohibits discrimination based on religious beliefs. And Sky News reports lab-grown red blood cells transfused into patient in world-first clinical trial. The manufactured blood cells were grown in st- grown from stem cells, rather, from donors, and then transfused into volunteers in the randomized controlled clinical trial. It's looking at the lifespan of the lab-grown cells compared with infusions of standard red blood cells from the same donor. CNA reports Arch- Archbishop Carlo Leone, to hold rosary for peace on election day at 12:30 pm he says on election day please join me to pray a rosary for peace let us ask our lady's intercession with the prince of peace who suffered much violence for peace in our day and eternal peace california is one of the five states that will vote on abortion during the midterm elections on Election Day, which is today, citizens in the state will vote on Proposition 1, which would amend California's constitution to explicitly protect abortion. Cordelione has repeatedly encouraged voters to say no to the abortion measure, as, uh, as has California the California Catholic Conference. And the Epoch Times reports National Guard cybersecurity units activated in 14 states ahead of midterm elections. Cybersecurity units from the National Guard will be activated in 14 U.S. states to help counter any threats to election officials' networks ahead of or during and following the November 8th elections, according to reports. The 14 states include battleground states as Arizona, Iowa, Pennsylvania, as well as Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Louisiana, North Carolina, New Mexico, New York, Washington, and West Virginia, Politico reported. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you.
2: The saint of the day is Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. And if you don't know Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity, well, she's a pretty awesome saint. You should get to know. She was born on the 18th of July, 1880, as Elizabeth Catiz at the military base of Avord and Cher, at the first child of the captain Joseph Catiz and Maria Roland. She was baptized at the camp's chapel on the following 22nd of July. Elizabeth's father died unexpectedly on the 2nd of October, 1887, and as a result, the family moved to Dijon. During the same year, she made her first confession. Her first communion was on the 19th of April, 1891, at St. Michael, and her confirmation was at Notre Dame on the following 8th of June. Elizabeth had a terrible temper as a child, and after receiving her first communion in 1891, she gained more self-control and had a deeper understanding of God and the world. She also gained a profound understanding of the Trinity, to which she cultivated an ardent devotion. Elizabeth visited the sick, sang in the church choir, and taught religion to children who worked in factories. As she grew older, Elizabeth became interested in entering the discaled Carmelite order, though her mother strongly advised against it. Men had asked for Elizabeth's hand in marriage, but she declined such offers because her dream was to enter the discalled Carmelite Monastery. She was lo- that was located 200 meters from her home. Elizabeth entered the Dijon Carmel on the 2nd of August 1901. She said, quote, I find him everywhere while doing the wash as well as while praying. End quote. Her time in the convent, amongst other Carmelites, had some high times as well as some very low times. She wrote about how she felt she needed a richer understanding of God's great love. At the end of her life, she began to call herself Laudam Gloriae, Elizabeth wanted to be her appellation in heaven because it means praise of glory. She said, quote, I think that in heaven, my mission will be to draw souls by helping them to go out of themselves in order to cling to God by a holy, simple and loving movement and to keep them in this great silence, which will allow God to communicate himself to them and to transform them into himself. End quote. Her spirituality is considered to be remarkably similar to that of her contemporary and compatriot Discalced Carmelite sister, Therese of Lisieux, who was cloistered at the Carmel in Lisieux. The two share a zeal for contemplation and the salvation of souls. Elizabeth died at the age of 26 of Addison's disease, which had no cure. Though her death was painful, Elizabeth gratefully accepted her suffering as a gift from God. Her last words were, quote, "I am going to light." to love, to life, end quote. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, pray for us. Praise be to God
0: in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. Jesus said to the apostles, Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending the sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you when you have done all you have been commanded. Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Is this one of those passages where you read it and you're like, what in the world? Like, it seems so arrogant. Why would our Lord say this? Like, you poor guy, you were tending the sheep and working the field, and you gotta come in and put on an apron and serve the master. Like, what kind of cruel master is this? You gotta take it all into context. You gotta read the entire context. What was going on here? What was uh, what started all of this conversation? What was the setting? Really dive into that because I think it'll give you greater meaning. Here is St. Augustine as quoted in Hadock's commentary today. It says, the design and end of this parable is to show that rigorously speaking, we are useless servants with regard to God, This sovereign master has a right to exact of us every kind of service and to make us apply ourselves to any task he may think proper without or having any reason to complain, either of the difficulty, trouble, or length of our labors. We are entirely His, and He is master of our persons, time, and talents. We hold of Him whatever we possess, and woe to us if we abuse His trust by applying our talents to any use contrary to His designs. But though He be Lord and Master, He leaves our liberty entire." If he produces in us holy desires, if he works in us meritorious actions, gives us virtuous inclinations and supernatural gifts, he sets to our account the good use we make of them, and in crowning our merits, he crowns his own gifts quote, quote, St Augustine pray for us. St. Ignatius Catholic Commentary this morning said, Disciples should not expect congratulations for their service. Their work is important, but not beyond the call of Christian duty. And no one can fully repay God for his gifts. These apostles, if they are going to be the foundation stones for the church that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has founded, teach, preach, do miracles, cast out demons, much is expected of them. Because much is given to them, and humility must be top on their heart. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. What's concerning us is coming up next.
1: Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
0: I started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now.
1: I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that i didn't know at a young age
0: i follow god's will because my desire is to
1: get to heaven our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church if you've been away from the catholic church visit catholicscomehome.org praise be
0: to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host joe McLean. So, going to be on with you praise be to god Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, Dr. Dominic Aquila is going to be our guest. Ave Maria has put out a series of books. Uh, I think they are edited. Uh, Let's see who there is. Ave Maria Press, but Dominic Aquila has been one of several authors in the series. And his book is The Church and the Age of Enlightenment, 1648-1848, Faith Science and the Challenge of Secularism. That is a difficult age. Because so many things really went bad. 30 years war. I mean, the first real world war, actually. I think it set the stage for all the other wars that would happen on the European continent and how it would embroil the rest of the world around it. You have uh, communism. You've got revolution. You've got scientism. All all of it in that age. So we're going to have that conversation with Dr. Dominic Aquila, history prophet, UST, At 35 past the hour, join us if you can. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to us, and I'm sure they are to you. And, you know, we were uh, chatting uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek about the duties of voting at the top of the hour. And today's the big day. Today is midterm day. And there's been all of this talk about a red wave. Is there going to be a red wave today? Well, uh, we're going to find out, I suppose. We got the blood moon, so that must mean <laughs> something for sure. Uh, here is an article out of the Epic Times. It said Biden pollster warns a paradigm shift after a survey shows GOP gains among black and Hispanic voters. It says a poll released Monday morning shows that Republican Party is continuing to make inroads among black and Hispanic voters with just one day. This was yesterday, one day before the midterms. Some 17 percent of black voters told a Wall Street Journal poll that they would pick up, pick a Republican candidate for Congress over a Democrat, which is larger than the 8 percent of black voters who voted in favor of President Donald Trump, a Republican in 2020. During the 2018 midterm elections, 8% of black voters backed GOP candidates for the House races. For decades, black Americans have voted in favor of Democrats over Republicans by large margins. Among Hispanic voters, Democrats have a mere 5% lead over Republicans overall, according to the Wall Street Journal poll. During the 2018 midterms, Democrats had a 31% lead over Republicans and a 28% lead in 2020, it noted. When the Wall Street Journal carried out a similar poll in August, Democrats had an eleven point lead over Republicans in a in the choice of congressional candidate. Quote, I think that this could be a paradigm shift election where Republicans are not only making inroads with the Latino vote, but they're now making inroads with the Amer with the African American vote, close quote. John Anzalone or Anzalone who served as President Joe Biden's top pollster in 2020, told the Wall Street Journal on Monday. And Zaloni helped conduct the WSJ poll that was published on Monday. Quote, I think that this could, or rather he goes on to say, "Antoni Fabrizio, President Donald Trump's lead pollster in 2020, who assisted in the Wall Street Journal poll, told the paper, uh, quote, it was, wholly possible that Republicans reach a new high watermark among both African-Americans and Hispanic voters in this election, close quote. For most of the 2022 Democratic candidates have said that black voters are not turning to Republicans in spite of polls saying otherwise. So there's therein lies the question. Are we going to see a major shift? These polls seem to suggest that uh, there could be possibly a big shift. In the polls. Joining us now is New York City Council member from uh, representing Staten Island, Joe Borelli. Good morning to you, Joe Borelli. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. Uh, New York could set the stage for the rest of the country in these midterm elections. You've got a governor race. You've got some House member races. How are you seeing this, Joe Borelli?
5: Look, I think we have tremendous momentum uh, across our ticket from the top with Lee Zeldin for governor to uh, a number of house races that just weeks ago weren't listed as competitive and now have moved uh, firmly into the toss-up category. Uh, so I think you're going to see some surprises uh, from Long Island to the Hudson Valley, uh, maybe even up in Onondaga County, where, where Joe Morelli, who, got a name so similar to mine but a political outlook so different um, he he might actually lose and and, and he's been a a pretty pretty solid staple for that area
0: now unfortunately our social feeds tend to to push a lot of content in our feeds that depict life in the boroughs in new york as being sort of uh, depressing a lot of crime a lot of uh, violence is going on there what is the reality on the ground
5: well, look, we have seen a spike in crime. Uh, while Kathy Hochul has tried to make Republicans out to be data deniers, uh, unfortunately for her, the, the data is in in favor of reporting that crimes have gone up. Uh, we see every single day uh, the tabloids screaming about new heinous uh, things that happen on our subway systems in our outer boroughs, uh, on street corners, uh, all, all throughout Brooklyn and the Bronx. And it, it has been unanimously the Democratic Party who's not only ignored the crime issue overall but they've actually passed legislation to make it worse they've passed things like less is more literally trying to tell us that less jail time for hardened criminals not the person stealing a candy bar less jail time for hardened criminals is actually somehow more beneficial to society i mean this has been the playbook for a number of years since really since democrats had control over the, the governor's mansion uh, the state senate and the state assembly where we've just seen one side Uh, move all things towards the left and the result has been to to essentially undo uh, what was uh, a very prosperous and safe time in new york uh, under mayor giuliani under mayor bloomberg uh, and even frankly uh, it it was fine for a number of years under mayor de blasio before uh, these uh, actions took effect
0: which is surprising because the mayor in new york city is a former police officer you'd think he would understand crime more than most but it it seems quite the opposite He's, uh, he's aligned politically rather than experientially
1: He's, look,
5: he's been more vocal than perhaps most Democrats saying that we do have to change some of these laws. So, so I will I will concede that point to him. Uh, and he's right about that. Uh, I, I hope he just gets somewhat of an ally in Lee out. I mean, the, the truth is everybody listening right now uh, has an opportunity to make an actual difference in their race. If you live in New York and, and you thought for years that you, you voting on Election Day was just kind of a, a wasteful exercise because uh, the, the candidates we fielded never really had a chance. Today is not that day. Today is the one opportunity where the polls have Wezel the neck and neck. So it's it's really a, a, a choice whether you're going to stay home uh, and, and let the status quo go on or whether you're going to go march down to your poll site or even drive. If you drive, they might start charging you $23 for it in the future if you live downstate. Um, but you have an opportunity mm. today to change that.
0: Now, okay, so it seems to me the polls do indicate that to Americans, whether they're in New York or they're in Arizona or wherever they are, uh, The economy is a big issue. Crime is a big issue. Inflation, the immigration issues are massive. How do you see it, Joe Borelli?
5: Yeah, I mean, every poll has been consistent, uh, whether they've been congressional polling uh, or uh, polling for the statewide offices here in New York. Crime and the economy have been number one. The governor has tried to make this whole race uh, about abortion and uh, Donald Trump. Uh, etc and it just hasn't really took off look there there are certain people in this state who have very strong opinions on abortion and donald trump and we understand that but it just isn't the, the message that is driving people to the to the polls people are more concerned about the daily challenges they face they face daily challenges uh, taking the subway or with crime in their neighborhood, and they face the daily challenge of putting food on their plate uh, and, and, and making sure there's enough money in their savings account to retire or, or maybe take their grandkids uh, uh, to the Poconos for a weekend or something. I mean, these are the kind of struggles that Americans are facing under one-party control, from, from the White House down to the State House uh, and in the governor's mansion.
0: Now, immigration has been a big problem for us down here on the border for a very long time. It's now come, I think, to your doorstep. How are New Yorkers taking the immigration situation with busing immigrants up to New York?
5: Well, people are growing very frustrated. I mean, we're seeing migrants uh, in uh, uh, my neighborhood where I live uh, placed in hotels, uh, and uh, the city's not doing a tremendously good job of actually caring for the people that we decided to put in our custody. Uh, and and they're they're unfortunately uh, for a period of time they were going door to door, ringing bells and, and begging, and and thankfully they, they weren't committing any crimes, but we, we haven't had incidents of that. But they were just knocking on doors uh, of of middle class neighborhoods, begging for clothes and and for for uh, food and and stuff like that. Uh, thankfully, Staten Islanders, where I live, including myself, we did respond uh, w- with kindness. I mean, despite the issues of the border and the political problems uh, associated with it, these are still people. Um, but it's been a growing frustration. The price tag on the city of New York has now reached $1 billion to house uh, 17 to 18,000 migrants uh, every single day. So it's not only becoming a, a political pressure, it's becoming a financial pressure, and, and the financial pressure means that the Democrats are going to have to act.
0: I was looking at uh, the latest polls and where they stand on whether or not they think it's going to be a red wave or the, or the Democrats are going to hold uh, the Congress. And it's, it just, I guess it just depends on your favorite pollsters. But NBC just a day or so ago uh, gave the edge to the Democrats. Trafalgar Group has obviously gone red. Uh, The data for progress has gone red. RCP average has gone red. How do you see the rest of the races around the country?
5: I, I think what's happening across the board. Uh, whether it is the Senate or it is some of the, the more high-profile gubernatorial races. You look at Herschel Walker, obviously, uh, and, and Mehmet Oz, uh, but you also look at Carrie Lake, and you can look at Tudor Dixon. The, the message the Democrats tried to send were that these people were fundamentally evil, bad people. Uh, they weren't trying to say that they were right and wrong on any issues, uh, and I think it just took a little bit of time for America to actually see and interact with these candidates to realize that the Democrats have been lying uh, about who these people actually were. Uh that that's tough. It's actually tough to 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 now uh try to do a 180 and try to make the race about the issues that voters care about when you've just spent the last 6 months trying to convince people that that you know the Herschel Walkers of the world uh were 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 the devil incarnate. Uh it's just not going to happen. We saw, we see that right where I am in New York as a matter of fact, uh, suddenly Kathy Hochul has been uh talking about the crime issue in the past week. She's been talking about the economy. Uh, suddenly, it wasn't just about January 6th uh, at abortion. So uh it, this is playing out all across the country. I do think that the Republicans take uh, obviously the House. Uh, I do think they they squeak out a win uh, in Pennsylvania. I think the issue in Pennsylvania was that the media covered for this guy, John Fetterman, who sadly had a stroke and he's he's not capable of, of doing the job. Uh, and they covered for him for too long. And people just saw that in the debate. They they saw the cover up in the debate, uh, and they're going to vote accordingly.
0: Well, we're down to just about a minute here with Joe Borelli, New York City council member representing Staten Island. Uh, So independent voters, do you really think they're really they're going to be pushed towards uh, the Republican side of this equation? Do you think enough uh, has been demonstrated to them that they should uh, get off the fence here? Or how do you see the independent vote?
5: Yeah, look, in, in a state like New York, they are independent because they are not Democrats. They are not part of the far left. Uh, and they're going to sway from side to side, depending on the issues. And the issues are all in our favor. The Democratic Party has failed New Yorkers. The Democratic Party has failed Americans. Uh, and it's time, uh, I think, that some of them uh, are going to really, uh, uh, you know, be extra motivated to vote for a change.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it ought to be very interesting to see how this all comes out. Um, is there a red wave? Uh, there's been a lot of talk for it sh- for sure, uh, but with backtracking on uh, on uh, joe biden's support on the left it, who knows uh, do you, one last question let me sneak this in before we have to say goodbye uh everybody says the first midterm election in a new presidency always goes to the opposite side do you see that at play here
5: yeah it, it's always a question of how bad it's going to be for them uh, and i think in this case democrats are going to see a bad result tonight.
0: all right joe Borelli. god bless you thank you for your time today we appreciate it thank you all right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, Rudy Carlos has more breaking news and stories, and then we're going to talk to Doctor Dominic Aquila about his brand new book, "The Church and the Age of the Enlightenment," and is it really to blame for all of our problems? Well, we're going to find out with Doctor Akula coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. This
3: is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute.
1: How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, Progress is a useless word, for progress takes for
3: granted an already defined direction, and it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal
1: is, and then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it, or farther from it the real question is not whether we are progressive but what is our goal my goal is to get to heaven
3: and to help others get there too what's yours want Chesterton for more than a minute visit our website at chesterton.org
6: First off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas. And thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network. And uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that uh, the Catholic truth and get back on track. So really thank you for that.
7: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
3: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And uh, here's a couple more headlines for you. The Postmillennial reports, Biden's press secretary says it will take a few days to know the results of Tuesday's midterm elections. During a White House press briefing on Monday, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said, quote, We may not know all of the winners of the elections for a few days. In regard to the outcome of today's midterm elections in which polls predict the GOP will retake Congress, she continued saying, quote, in modern elections, more and more ballots are being cast in early voting and also by mail, unquote. And many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. The Washington Examiner reports DOJ grabs. 3.36 billion dollars worth of bitcoin hidden in a popcorn tin of silk road thief a man pleaded guilty to scamming the the silk road a now defunct dark web website located uh, again on the dark web where users could purchase illicit goods and services using bitcoin in september of 2012 he was able to scam silk road out of bitcoin which was used as a currency on the website by depositing Bitcoin into multiple fraud accounts registered with the marketplace, and then triggering more than 100 withdrawal transactions in quick succession in order to trick Silk Road's withdrawal processing system into releasing tens of thousands of Bitcoins, according to the DOJ. Wow, $3.36 billion worth of Bitcoin. It probably lost a lot of value over the years, uh, certainly. Uh,
0: since last year but
3: in any case those were your headline news this morning
0: god love you praise be to god in all things catholics should exercise their right to vote this is a moral obligation when the common good of the state or the good of the religion especially in serious matters can be promoted paragraph number 246 of the baltimore catechism
1: hmm.
0: looking at you Rudy. you're certainly making a case here looking at you brother you got to vote. Praise be to God. How many
3: times should I vote?
0: Uh, Well, hmm. vote and vote often. Vote and vote often, (laughs) as they say. Hey, Praise be to God. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, the effervescent Dr. Dominic Aquila, professor of history at the University of St. Thomas. And he has just participated in a series of books published by Ave Maria Press called The Church and the Age of Enlightenment. Uh, faith, Science, and the Challenge of Secularism, 1648 to 1848. History happens to be my favorite subject of all. Good morning to you, Dr. Aquila. Good morning, Joe. Praise Great be to God. Thanks it's, for having me. Yeah, good to see you, too. How did you draw the short straw and uh, and get this particular age to talk about? Did you want this age? Like, how did you guys decide who was going to write about what particular age?
8: Well, you could see that the series editor is... Um, Uh, someone who's often confused with me, and I'm confused (laughs) with him, and that is the great Mike Aquilina. Yes, uh, that's true. Prolific author. Yes. Uh, We uh, knew each other well in Pittsburgh when I was at uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, He used to uh, um, joke that he was uh, Aquilamid's eagle. So he was the little eagle and I was the big eagle. (laughs) 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 It It had more to do with Heft than it had to do with intellect. Yeah, uh, Mike is an extraordinarily prolific author. Great one of guy. The great gifts to the church of our time.
0: Amen to that. My, I've I've interviewed Mike Aquilina in the past. I've even uh, when I used to run Catholic conferences, I used to, I brought him in for to give a talk, and he blew me away of how how knowledgeable, how entertaining, how uh, energetic he was, especially on the early church and the church fathers. It was just uh, such a joy. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that he's editing this series but uh, the the age of enlightenment you know when i think of bad things i think of the age of enlightenment you got the 30 years war you got revolution you got the rise of of communism that uh, the the seeds of communism come from this age you've got scientism i mean it, there's so many bad things to say about this age what did you think in preparing and writing this book
8: well one of the things i wanted to do, the, the first and foremost is The Enlightenment is a set of ideas, right? And uh, it's often the case uh, that uh, we, like many people throughout the ages, uh, don't think much of ideas. Uh, They think it's, uh, you know, something you sort of bat around at the dinner table when people used to have dinner. Uh, But, you know, my, my whole point was ideas have consequences. That's always the case, no matter what the age is, but especially in the Enlightenment. And then I linked that together with a saying from the great economist John Kenneth Gilbert, uh, who said, there's nothing like um, an idea whose time has come. And I took those two concepts together because um, the Enlightenment, as I said, is full of ideas. And they were circulating before this monstrous 30 years war, uh, which happened in 1618. But that war just Created the fertile ground for these ideas to emerge, and these ideas were uh, alternatives uh, to the 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 ideas that unified Christendom uh, before the Thirty Years' War. Uh, and the Thirty Years' War, as you, you read in the book, is in fact it used to be called the Great War mm. before World War One occurred, and World War One in 1914 uh, took over that title. Then that title, <laughs> excuse me, uh, was set aside because there was a second world war. Uh, and so we call it world war. But anyway, the Great War uh, was the title given to the Thirty Years' War. And it was a war of utter devastation. It started out uh, as a war. This, this leads to the whole way in which the Enlightenment, um, by the way, the Enlightenment is, uh, is a movement uh, that has a kind of a, Irrational faith and reason. In other words, it elevates human reason uh, above what it it can obviously achieve. It does away with the question of faith, does away with the question of grace, the great synthesis that held to uh, Christendom together since uh, the Middle Ages. Unity of faith and reason gets dissolved. So so this alternative idea uh, after the Thirty Years' War, which started out kind of as a religious war, but really was a war of dynasties uh where you have the habsburg uh dynasty in austria uh and then the scandalous uh dynasty uh, uh supervised by cardinal richelieu uh, and you have the scandal of a catholic country uh france supporting the protestants yeah. in the war yeah, yeah. uh and at first you know first by arm uh, mm-hmm. by uh, supplying arms and money and then ultimately by uh, providing French troops. The the war was devastating. You know, uh, a third of the population of Central Europe was decimated. Uh, castles, shrines, death, death, just amazing destruction all around, plague, um, <clears throat> all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, devastation to churches especially. So, you know, people in this war said, look, uh, when the war ended, in 1648, and there was this big Congress uh, in Westphalia in what's now Germany, um, people said, wait a minute, this is, and intellectuals love to play this, as they say, there's a war of religion, right? And there was Protestants on the one side, Catholics on the other, uh, and nobody won, right? So where was, you know, everybody was assured that God was on one side or the other. And when it didn't happen, and there was this kind of exhaustion of of men at war, Uh, people began to look uh, and support, ordinary people began to support these elite intellectuals. People like Voltaire, for example, Isaac Newton, Immanuel Kant, uh, all, you know, they had plenty of ideas to offer. And all of a sudden in 1648, the nation states were buying and they were looking for an alternative uh, to run their countries uh, that did not rely on on uh, religion on on christian christian principles and so they set aside these because this this in the minds of many just proved to be no way to uh, to run a society mm. and so instead of theologians uh advising kings uh, you have this uh, rash of people who are economists political scientists all becoming the power behind the throne in in europe so that's you know that that's what I mean by this war created the seed the, the fertile seedbed for these ideas and you know I, I would make a corollary today you know we would talk about the election you know uh, that there's always uh, you know with today in the year 2022 we have these think tanks all over the country uh, and they, they 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 generate ideas they generate policy questions. And as soon as the the right party comes into power, uh, that new party is eager for new ideas, and they get them from these think tanks. Well, the same thing happened in 1648. There was, uh, you know, there's new ideas that seem to be an alternative because the idea of, uh, of religion and uh, politics or religion being Christianity, being the guiding force of politics, just... Uh, was seen to have not worked.
2: You know, I interviewed your son uh, Dominic uh, about a year and a half ago about and uh, all in the French Revolution and I had not realized that and during the French Revolution which is, you know, the resu- uh, resulting time period after Voltaire, after the 30-year war about a 100 years afterwards and the war of the Vendée had the uh, according to your your son was telling me that that was the first case of genocide where they slaughtered the Catholics, put them out on boats and destroy them in order to to wipe them out and this was all a result of the french revolution but uh... we have about one minute left uh, what do you think about the the resulting uh... effects for catholics
8: well yeah that that's uh... the as my book progresses beyond the uh... thirty years war uh... the book tracks how these ideas become uh... infiltrate into various corners of europe and of course the, the it, america is a product of the enlightenment right uh there are some historians who call america the empire reason well in france there was also uh,
0: hold uh, that this... thought i'm sorry i'm just going to put a pin right. right there we're going to go to a quick break we're going to come right back and we'll pick up right there dr dominic Aquila, the church and the age of enlightenment put out by ave maria press I highly encourage you to check it out especially if you love history like i do you're going to love the book all that and more is coming up next
9: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs secondly natural reason well if the bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed and thirdly the golden twins sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all christian truth doctrines and beliefs remember identical twins come from one egg
0: Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It's midterm day, so go vote. It's your civic duty to vote according to the teaching of the church. Check out paragraph number 2239 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church to enlighten your mind a little more on that. Or I think Pi did you say Pius the Ninth? Adrian had uh, had a lot to say on the subject 12th. as well. 12th. Was it the 12th? All right. Praise be to God. But uh, rejoining us right now is Dr. Dominic Aquila. He is professor of history at uh, University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas. He's also the author of a book called The Church and the Age of Enlightenment, 1648-1848, Faith, Science, and the Challenge of Secularism. Just before the break, Dr. Aquila, Adrian was asking you about sort of like what was the ramifications on the church And the faithful in the church from this period you were saying
8: yes so uh you know the uh the ideas that were uh, began circulating in the mid-16th in mid-1600s they eventually worked their way up into the 1700s uh, providing a, a, a one basis for the american revolution and then quickly after that the french revolution the american revolution took one kind of turn uh, it was rough going in the early days of the American Revolution, but we settled, uh, borrowing heavily from Enlightenment ideas like John Locke, uh, and and we formed the Constitution uh, that has been the basis of our our nation's uh, legal system since 1789. But in France, it took a very different turn. Uh, the French, the Enlightenment ideas had seeped into the very core of French society. Uh, they, they circulated through salons, cafe life. Uh, and when the uh things got really bad in 1789 in France, uh, the progress of the French Revolution borrowed more and more from the radical ideas of the Enlightenment, such that, you know, in replacing France, the great Catholic daughter of the church, right? Uh, they replaced their whole system of 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 chapels churches with temples of reason (sighs) and the devastation of the church but you know the question of of, uh what uh uh, excuse me uh uh adrian raised um about the the scorched earth policy of the french revolution in the very catholic area the vendee in france uh, that was the turning point. It was a, a horrific horror, uh, where at, at the high point, besides the kind of genocide of the Catholics who resisted, they, the Catholics resisted the French Revolution. Uh, the, uh, there was a Carmelite, uh, monastery or, or Carmel, uh, where 16 Carmelite nuns were executed for mm. refusing, uh, to disavow their faith and their vocation. That was the turning point. Uh, at that point, uh, uh, Rose Pierre, who was the mastermind of this terrorist, I mean, it's an internal terrorist state. And uh, the nuns were marched to the guillotine, uh, mm. 16 of them. Now, this was memorialized. It's very curious. Uh, the great Catholic writer, George Bernanos, wrote a book called The Dialogues of the Carmelites, in which he memorialized this event of the execution of the carmelites when that happened that that kind of martyrdom that stopped the reign of terror because then the very man who perpetrated it Robespierre, uh was himself executed uh, and that was the end of it the the revolution in france never really became settled until after the napoleonic wars uh and my book takes it up through that but but there's a very curious point about how these ideas even Uh, uh, continue into the 20th century you know the 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 book the dialogues of the carmelites that memorializes this martyrdom during the french revolution was made into an opera in the late 1950s uh, by a a composer named francis Poulenc. now in houston we had the benefit last year of the uh, houston grand opera staged this opera it's very powerful Uh, in the opera the nuns go singing to the guillotine one at a time singing the Salve Regina Mm. and their chorus of voices becomes less and less until there's one left very very powerful ending but why was that opera so powerfully uh, received I mean became immediately part of the repertory of opera Uh, well in the 50s that was kind of the high point of the cold war and uh, you know the Russian state, the Soviet state, was behaving in ways very similar to the terror state of the French Revolution. And so there is a kind of historical continuation of what the ideas of the Enlightenment, which affected the French Revolution, affected the Russian Revolution, and then uh, <clears throat> was part of the Cold War set of ideas. And uh, and that's why the opera in the 50s became so powerful uh, and then there was no direct correlation made by Poulenc, uh between the, the martyrs of France and the martyrs mm-hmm. and the millions you know, of people who were slaughtered by the Soviet government. <clears throat>
3: uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Akila, I have a question here. You know, you set up the uh, you set up what you called the seeds for this for this revolution, for this um, even this country that we're we're a part of now. Right. I mean. And and you also talk about how this enlightenment was really the end of what we would consider to be Christendom. I'm wondering we're several several years ahead now, and I'm just wondering: is do you think that there's a way for us to return to Christendom? Is there a way to return? Because my heart is is very very much for monarchy. Is there a way to return to this monarchy that was destroyed by the enlightenment?
8: Yeah. Uh that's a great question in fact uh, uh my good friend uh, uh, father jim who is the president of uh, University of Mary he wrote a book that that circulated very short book circulated and saying but that that idea of kind of a restoration of Christendom uh is uh, is 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 not about to happen is not likely to happen right i i don't know that 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 it, i would put it that way but he uh you know to sort of rescue or the idea of a christian society he says we have to see ourselves right now as the early christians did uh, during the roman empire hmm. you know a kind of uh, uh, a group of of true believers a remnant as they say uh, who will carry on under this kind of uh, regime that is not just america but now western europe is entirely hostile uh, to christian ideals well, and, it, you know, and Catholicism that, you know, you could see just the persecution of the, mm-hmm. of the church happening. Kind of the very same things that happened in the French Revolution. It was statues were torn down. Uh, churches were desecrated. Well, you see that happening today, right? Uh, right. You know, there was the, the tearing down of the statues of, uh, uh, Saint Eunephira Serra and uh, other kind of desecrations. Uh, th- th- there was a, uh, something on Facebook I saw turn my stomach the other day. Uh, you know where people in a circle were kicking a bible like it was a ball <laughs> uh you wow. know this kind of desecration so i think we're more like and i, f- I agree with father jim uh, we have to have a mindset now uh you know that we are it's like living in uh, the, the, the the you know uh, under the regime of the roman empire uh and that that's what we face today <laughs> the, re- I... the restoration of a monarchy um well, that in America, of course, that would be uh, very uh, hard. That'd be <laughs> that would be <laughs> a revolution.
0: It would be very hard.
8: Constitution. I nominate myself as candidate. Of, so everyone who <laughs> goes go to go, go, go vote be. today,
2: just write in Adrian for King. Adrian for King. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things
0: I was thinking about is uh, a book by Diane Mozart. God rest her soul. She passed away. Called Ten Dates Every Catholic Should Know. I loved that book. It was so good. It was so so good. And one of the points she makes in uh, what she basically does in her book, I don't know if you've you ever read Diane Mozart's book, Ten Dates Every Catholic Should Know, by the way, Dr. Aquila? No, I haven't, I, I, I haven't read Great that Great book. book. Uh, so she tries to correlate heaven's messages and historic events and how these things uh, are mm. in relation to each other. So, And you sort of bring one of these things up, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, uh, receiving this yeah. incredible message from heaven about the uh, the uh, devotion to the sacred heart of jesus but this wasn't just a good piety this had political implications she was to take this to the king himself and the king was supposed to enact this meditate this devotion through all of france and guess what he didn't do it until, I think it was his grandson, and, and he was about to be beheaded anyway. So it was like a day late and a dollar short. Yeah. And that's one of my questions for you is, in, in, in going back through this period of time, in writing this book, do you think Heaven was trying desperately? I mean, you have Our Lady of uh, Sorrows, you've got the Sacred Heart devotion with Mar- Margaret Mary, and really, honestly... Did the world ignore these messages, and then that's part of the reason why we got just a few short years later Our Lady of Fatima.
8: Well, I think uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, 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 I'm I'm going to go read that book right away. Uh, the one place what I try to do in this book, uh, which goes to this point of something like the uh, uh, the the visions of Saint uh, Margaret alaco and that is. The traditional, or the, the, if you go out and buy a book on the Enlightenment today, uh, most of what happens in Catholicism is just uh, suppressed, ignored. It's it doesn't it doesn't come uh, into the narrative story at all. And what I try to do in this book is say, look, they they were first of all they were they were Catholics who participated in the science of the Enlightenment. The science is like if you talk about an idea that persists. We just went through this uh, pandemic, and what was the, you know, the motto, the mantra? Follow the science. Yeah. That's an Enlightenment idea <laughs> to, the, to the hilt, right? That worked out. <laughs> well, uh, so what I try to do is say, look, there was Catholics who participated in that. The Jesuits, for example, they were the kings of mathematics during the, the, the you know, even the Enlightenment atheists, Voltaire, uh, for example, said— uh, they're so good. Uh, I wish they were on our side. You know, that's yeah. so, so we, it, but the other thing that I try to bring out is there was a spiritual counterculture throughout the Enlightenment. You got about 30 uh, seconds. And you could,
2: see
8: it. yeah, you could see it. This is the, the case of Mary, uh, Margaret Alico. But in the book, I link it to a great philosopher at the same time who they probably didn't know each other, uh, Pascal, mm-hmm. uh, who is a great philosopher of the heart, not sentimental heart. But the heart is the core of who we are that embraces both faith, reason, intuition, intellect, and emotions.
0: Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time with Dr. Dominic Aquila, And I encourage you to check out this book now. I think it's about to be released, actually. It's The Church and the Age of Enlightenment, Faith, Science, and the Challenge of Secularism by Ave Maria Press. Dr. Akula, God love you. God bless you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you very much. Good to see everybody. Good to see you, too. Hopefully we'll have you back soon. All right, go vote, because it's your civic and moral duty to do so, according to Holy Mother Church. Adrian says you're welcome to write his name in on the ticket if you want, if you want good options. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, but if you can join us in the next hour, Brent Haynes is going to be on. All that, plus the game show and the after show, go to grnonline.com forward slash
1: cdt. God bless you. God bless you.
5: and gentlemen this is your captain speaking we're currently cruising at thirty nine thousand feet we'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you let you move about the cabin looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life why not start today a friendly suggestion from guadalupe radio network
9: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set, included the diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name, the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book.
0: Hello. This is Father Charles Van Fleet, pastor of Regina Chile Parish in Northwest Houston, where the traditional Latin Mass is celebrated. Thank you for listening to KSHJ 14:30 a.m. Catholic Radio throughout Metro Houston on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Good combo. History, by far. Did you know? Uh, you might. You. You probably knew this, uh, but just in case, I shall remind you. I was the. History student of the year in the tenth grade. It was it's a true story? It's a true story. Judson like High the top School, one? Judson High School, greatest high school on the planet. Uh, it's been confirmed. No need to fact check that. Uh, just outside of the great city of San Antonio. Texas. If you visit, you know how like you go down the mm-hmm. hallway and they mm-hmm. have the you know mm-hmm. the glass case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. in there. Still, to this day. Now, okay, so when I was at Judson High School, we had two campuses. We had the gray campus and the red campus. The gray campus was brand new, looks like a prison, actually. (laughs) Still does to this day. Uh, I mean, literally, I'm not even kidding. It looks like a prison. But uh, nonetheless, it is no longer part of the high school. Apparently, they rebuilt the red campus uh, you know, so uh, everybody's over on the red campus. Whereas we had to like shuttle between campuses for classes. You had to jump on a bus or walk through the for- the woods to get to the other to get in, to get to your other class in time. It was kind Yikes. of kind of stressful at times.
3: Like, how it. did you dodge the Blair Ooh. Witch in the woods? Ooh,
0: that's what I, they chopped a lot of the trees down apparently hmm. uh, because of issues like that. Well, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I'm down memory lane, i you know, we had a farm with a bull. Are you kidding me? On campus, on our high school campus. That's the most Texas thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. I belong to the Model Rocketry Club. Oh, nice. I was in our Air Force ROTC, Junior ROTC, so I was in the Model Rocketry Club. So I shot a rocket off, parachute deploys, and I'm like, give me the biggest parachute you got, all right? Because I was going for duration of flight. It floats... Like half a mile away, lands in the field with the bull, the bull comes over and eats my parachute.
11: <laughs> <laughs> True story.
0: True story. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, we good. got Kim Jong un over here. <laughs> firing <laughs> rockets. <laughs> firing rockets. Good times, man. Rockets rockets are a blast. Uh pun intended. Hey, uh, thanks for uh Lori was asking about the link to Ten Dates Every Catholic Should Know, published by Sophia Institute Press. Diane Mozart unfortunately did pass away a couple of years ago, but it really is. A Great book. Can't recommend it enough. But I also recommend Dr. Aquila's book published by Ave Maria Press. You should check that out. History. How did you do with history, Rudy? You know, history actually was one of my favorite subjects.
3: Was it? I did pretty well uh, with history as well as with English. Um, I was horrible at math, Uh but I scraped by. And, you know, the funny thing about high school is I think it was like in junior or senior year, Mm -hmm. I was really into photography. And yeah. I was the, the president yeah. of the photo club. Wow. I was in uh, yearbook and all this stuff. So the teachers would allow me to sit through the lecture, finish my work halfway through the class, and then leave and go to the photo room. And I was in the photo room at least yes. 75% of my day. What did you shoot with? Oh, we were shooting, we were shooting all kinds of things. No, Four like, by what, five what, cameras. Okay, you don't remember the brand cam- of maker or that? Oh, yeah, A Calumet. 4x5 camera, I was wow. shooting Mamiya medium format cameras, I really? was shooting Nikon 35mm, developing everything in our, our state-of-the-art yeah. darkroom. Back in
0: my day, when Ooh. I took photography in Loved high school, it. we used Pentax K1000s. That's a good one. Uh, it was it's a tank. was the only camera we used. That thing is a tank. <laughs> Everybody had a Pentax
3: k one thousand. Pentax had these beautiful lenses called Takumara lenses. They were radioactive. But if you what? shot color in these cameras, they would come out these lovely warm tones. Awesome, awesome stuff.
0: We developed our own, our own film, which was yeah. so cool to go into. Like, I loved going into like the cylinder door rotating thing. Yeah. It like, that felt so cool. The doorway, you mean? Yeah, like the door. The you, rotating st- door. You walk in the door, and there's a cylinder that rotates around you because yeah. the other side is a dark room. Yeah, you got to keep the light out otherwise it'll yeah. expose everything. Good but, times, so. man.
3: Yeah, I miss that. Yeah. I think it was uh really fun.
0: Yeah, that's why when I was on vacation I I uh didn't want to video a lot. I just took pictures. I mm. busted out my Lumix G85 with my lenses and tried to take a bunch of pictures and try to you know, take good ones and not just make my camera do all my phone camera do all the work for me. I mean, these phone cameras, they, it's like you don't have to like know anything. Just yeah. click the button and <sighs> dynamic range color white balance aperture it's all done for you
3: now the challenge now is go and edit your photos and actually print them out
0: nobody does that anymore okay so that's another reason why i use my lumix g85 on vacation because i have decided i'm going to do a a photo book this show is sponsored by lumix g85 yes uh uh yeah i would uh, it's not it's a joke uh, hold on a second. I was uh, distracted there mightily. Uh, Brent Haynes is supposed to be joining us at any moment now. We're going to be talking about uh, Mister Clyburn's doubling down, but uh, boy, photography! This is a guy who also loves photography. Brent Haynes. Good morning to you. Good
7: morning, Joe.
0: Praise be to God. You're happy a photographer. Election day. Yeah, happy election day to you too. You're a photographer.
7: I'm just a I'm just an amateur. I'm, just not, a guy a, with a I'm camera. not a pro or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not a pro or semi-pro like you and uh,
0: <laughs> Mr. Carlos. Now, uh what do you like taking pictures of? Are you a wildlife photographer, landscapes, portraits, what are you into?
7: No, I like taking pictures of uh, I like taking candids of people, portraits. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like I like capturing
0: events, like moments in time. It's, it's, it's something to uh, yep. photography that is that is fun. But uh, nonetheless, let's talk about candid portraits of uh, Rep. Clyburn doubling down on the Nazi Germany analogy. It seems like it's something that gets used all the time comparing everything to Hitler, to Nazi Germany. What's the story here?
7: The story, unfortunately, is what you said. Uh, it, it is just a repeated, consistent, and as you said, a doubling down on what is really the character assassination and just ultimately the dehumanization of one political party by the other. Uh, James Clyburn is a senior, very senior, uh, Democrat uh, congressional leader from South Carolina. And he said, uh, quote, what I see here, talking about the current American political situation is, he said, what I see here are parallels to what the the history was in this world back in, in the 1930s in Germany. He even asserts that he studies history a lot and he sees the parallels, which makes me wonder how much he has studied, but that's not the point. It's this just insistent comparison and character assassination of people just because they disagree with him. And the reason this is significant is not just because he said this and got a lot of press coverage or because he said it and he's a senior uh, leader of one of two major political parties in the United States um, it's significant because as you said they keep doing this they keep doubling down and this is just unhealthy for the country it's unhealthy for any society uh, and it's especially unhealthy for a democratic republic uh Joe, do you remember President Biden's Darth Vader speech back at uh the beginning <laughs> of September? Yes. You know, where they had the red lights uh shining yeah. on him and he stood at the he stood at the lectern and behind him they had the two United States Marines, which I'm sure yeah. made you proud yeah. in full dress <laughs> uniform. I remember. Yes. And 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 he just he didn't engage in a policy debate. The man who ran for president and said he was gonna unite the country Continue to divide the country. Mm-hmm. He didn't engage in a policy debate. He didn't talk about ideas. He said, and these are quotes, he's referring to his political opponents. He said, they live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. He said, equality and democracy are under assault. And it is just, uh, it is just this repeated character attack on people that not just lowers the Discourse actually destroys the discourse. It changes from being a, a reasonable or semi reasonable exchange of ideas about policy and, and who to elect and how we should guide our country, how we should govern our country. It you know it devolves into this name calling. Well, and
0: I think this there's something. I think there's another aspect to this though that uh, kind of gets to me a little bit, and that is, it's almost like the boy who cried wolf. Right. Um, If you keep sounding false alarms, nobody pays attention when it becomes real. I mean, when people repeatedly on the left and on the right use the analogy of like Hitler, like uh, like Nazi Germany, it gets so watered down that it becomes meaningless and people just sort of ignore it now. Um, But the reality is history does repeat itself. In fact, Uh, we see this too often lessons from history that are never learned right the first time, and we have to relearn them, and it's usually very costly. Do you see an aspect here where uh, this, where people are dumbing these things down to the point where they're not paying attention to the water boiling around them?
7: I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, but I, I think there's another side of it, which is what concerns me and I think should uh, concern you know all fair-minded americans who care about not just civil discourse but our basic society and that is that um this gets to the point where it's not just a matter of where some of some people um, ignoring it or getting used to it or getting to the point where they don't notice that when somebody's crying wolf it's really happening it also affects the behavior of many people in society You know, Hillary Clinton, as this civility started to decline in American politics, Hillary Clinton said, uh, you know, this is the 2016 presidential Democratic nominee. She said, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. She said, that's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again, which of course it didn't. But think about what she's saying. In our Democratic Republic, Her party is not willing to be civil with the opposing party unless her party has all the power. And then this turns into people acting out on it, because we create a culture uh, of not just incivility, but what it does is they dehumanize. They vilify and they demonize their political opponents, and they vilify and demonize the supporters of their political opponents. Yeah, And then – once you dehumanize people, Joe, what can you do? You can disregard their rights. You can degrade them. You can denigrate them. You can treat them any way you want, and they do that by not just disparaging ideas and destroying any debate, uh, but they they do that also uh, with harassment and with physical attacks. Uh, you know, now they're saying on the news they're going to try to explain away any election uh, failures they have today. They're saying that Republicans are misleading people and engaging in racism by talking about crime, by talking about crime, Joe. Mm -hmm. We have innocent people out there who have been murdered because they've been let out of jail because of poor decisions by judges made on political reasons, not legal reasons, or because the law, such as in New York, actually says that they cannot take a defendant's criminal history into account. Those people get out, and then they hurt people again, and in documented cases, they've killed again. But if you and I talk about that, we're engaging in racism. Uh, and then there are the people who just say that there, there ought to be a, a violence. You know, an NBC anchor, Craig Melvin, said years ago that just wearing a MAGA hat may be an invitation to confrontation. And notice how carefully he says it. He's not explicitly coming out and calling, calling out people to commit violence. He says, well, if you wear that hat, basically, you know, what do you expect? Remember former Attorney General Eric Holder's comment, when they go low, we kick them. That's what this new Democratic Party is about. And you know what? Eric Holder is right. That's what this new Demo- Democratic Party is about. So when you, uh, uh, when you do this to people, there are going to be results. The leader of the Anti-Defamation League, the, a group that is supposed to defend minorities, a group that is supposed to oppose discrimination, that is supposed to stop, you know, divisive hate, Jonathan Greenblatt Greenblatt was at a uh, seminar or a forum at the Council on Foreign Relations, and he was referring to the border border issue. So, Joe, if you believe that the border should be uh, maintained normally, if you believe that there should be lawful, controlled immigration, you know what he said? He said that the word caravan and the phrase open borders, quote, are literally white supremacist phrases. Mm -hmm. And then he said, That this is the narrative of hateful disgusting people yeah so now we have a new phrase in our term in our in our society political vocabulary today joe stochastic violence you see the political left trying to accuse the political right of this But the list of of violence that has happened is on the left versus the right, from the shooting at the congressional baseball game to that 84-year-old grandma in Michigan who was just going door-to-door in Michigan when
0: she was shot earlier this year. All right. Well, we are out of time. Britt Haynes, thank you for your time today. So grateful to have you back in your normal slot. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Hey, that's going to do it for that part. But guess what? Coming up after the break, it's time to play Fear and Trembling the game show laughing having a good time and learning something All's coming up next but you need to call and be our contestant at 877-757-9424 877-757-9424
4: in first timothy it says that jesus is our sole mediator yet we pray to mary and the saints is that going against the bible
6: first timothy two verse five says there is one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians three eleven. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictory in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator.
1: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome
9: to another round of fear.
5: And trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50 50 chance, and prizes are involved. Avoid
7: the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877 757 9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise
0: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. But most importantly, you could win. You could win. It's possible, but you need to make a phone call right now to be our contestant to play our game. Those uh, The phone number is 877-757-9424. If you've never played before, let me encourage you to try it out. It's a good time. 877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now. At 877-757-9424, that phone number is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game right now. Now, there are a few things that we like to do on the down low, on the QT. We just ask that you keep it between us, but number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something about the Catholic faith that you didn't know before, praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle. And the callers are amazing. They laugh with us. We enjoy that most, I would argue. But then, then we give out prizes, which means we have effectively incentivized everyone to participate because you could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Now, here's the kicker. Here is the curveball in all of this. We do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know. In fact, they may not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. And that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy and I shall ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will not. Then the caller will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And if they get that right, they go into the coffee cup at Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to Jesus. Our sponsor this week for our game show is mm-hmm. Mendoza
3: Leathercraft. They're a small business from around here, Tomball, Texas, that provides high-quality, unique, and custom leather products that will serve you for a very, very long time. Now, Victor is a fellow Catholic, and he's mm-hmm. generously sponsored the show this week with a beautiful leather rosary pouch and a keychain set. Now, if you're watching us on the live feeds, which are conveniently linked up mm-hmm. at grnonline mm-hmm. mm-hmm. forward slash cdt. You can see the the leather is very high quality, and it's a lovely set. The set includes a keychain and a solid brass hardware uh, with solid brass hardware and saddle-stitched, and it's uh, made out of Horween's Chrome Excel leather. What? It's a very beautiful pull-up leather. It's extremely durable. It will patina very nicely over time. The color's navy. Thank you very much, Victor. You can check out his other wares at MendozaLeatherCraft.square.site. I'm going to give that one more time. Mendoza Leathercraft.square.site. He's also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Thank you very much. Horween, you say. Horween. And oh, it smells good. Does
0: it? Mm. smells good. Does it smell like mm, cows? Yes. Smells okay, like cows. I love it. Praise be to God. All right. Let's go to the phones. And uh, Yolanda, good morning to you. Yes. Good morning. Praise be to God. Yolanda, where are you calling from? Universal City, Texas. <laughs> You know what's there, right? You know what's in Universal City? There, there, I, I'm sure there's a plaque. That Joe McLean once lived there. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm sure there's it a plaque. Says, there, McClain, uh, yes, it says Joe McLean, history champion of high Street. school. <laughs> it says 10th grade history student of the year, Judson High School. I, you got to go find that plaque <laughs> and take a picture and send it to us. It's when oh, Joe you peaked. Went
1: to Justin, huh? Of course. Wow. It's the
0: greatest high school in the country, Yolanda. Who wouldn't yeah, want to go there? Yeah. Praise it, be to God. Where do you go to church, Yolanda?
6: Our Lady of Perpetual
0: Help in Selma. Wow. Praise Jesus. Now, Yolanda, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how this all works? Yes. All right. Okay. Well, then, you know, I am on your side in this. It's me and you against them. Are you ready to play, Yolanda? Could you turn your radio down?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Turn the radio down just a little bit there. But you should also know, Yolanda, that uh, Mr. Rudy Carlos here is wearing a bow tie today. So... What color is it, Jill? It's red with uh, polka dots. The red wave. Let's go! <laughs> so, it's the blood moon thing going on. It's the on. blood moon. Yeah. Oh, okay.
10: yes, of course. With yeah. blue clouds.
0: With blue clouds. Mm. Any, at any rate, good morning to you, Mr. Carlos. Good morning to you, Mr. McLean. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. I know you love history. You said so. I do. So I fully expect you to know this first question. Okay. okay. No pressure, but All you right. love history, so... Can you tell me who founded the French Benedictines? The French Benedictines, yes.
3: Mm -hmm. That is Saint-Robe-Pierre. Really? Yeah.
0: Saint-Robe-Pierre, you say? Robe-Pierre. Huh. Is, Is it robe or robes? I forget no, robe, okay. The S is silent. Ah, it's French. I forgot. <laughs> Come on, Joe. <laughs> I see. Wee oui, wee. Oui. All right, here we go. Uh, Adrian, good morning to you. Howdy, howdy. Now, I don't think you love history, but you did have Doctor Cola as a professor, did you not? I did not. Uh, but you were on the <laughs> same campus at the I same time. I was in the same
2: campus at the same time. So therefore, you I was in class with his sons.
0: You should. He should have rubbed off on you in some way, uh-huh, shape, or uh-huh, form. Right? Can you tell me who founded the French Benedictines?
2: Well, as everybody knows, I am an expert in the French language. I see. Uh, I have never once pronounced a French <laughs> word incorrectly in my life, <laughs> and I have not been offered French lessons by a listener. Um, and the answer would be Saint Mar. Saint Mar. Saint Mar. Saint Mar. Saint Mar. Or Maru? It's probably Mar. I have no idea. I say okay. French words. Well, Yolanda,
0: you got options here today. The question is, who founded the French Benedictines? Adrian says it's Saint Mar, whereas uh, Rudy seems to think it's Saint Robe Pierre. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Yolanda in Universal City, Texas. What say you?
10: Uh, let's see.
1: Oh, uh, I guess I go with Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> no, please go the other way. Anyway. Oh no! I'm sorry. Joe the Tricky over here. I'm sorry. I, Joe, land, I'm sorry. Uh, I Mars.
0: Yeah, I Saint Mars the correct is answer. Uh, Robespierre was a bad dude. He was a uh, Freemason. He was a oh. revolutionary <laughs> anti-god. Uh, crazy guy who did get his head chopped off eventually. So I guess there's justice in the world. But yeah, nonetheless, be careful. You don't want to lose your head. Nonetheless, St. Mar was the correct answer. But don't worry, Yolanda. We got you on this next one. We're going to start with Adrian, who is clearly an expert on restricting things. Oh, you know it. <laughs> uh, phew, locking it down. Fonseca. That's what they call him in his private chat groups. It's true. It's true. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for the list of books which Catholics were were forbidden to
2: possess, to read, or to sell under excommunication? What
9: are the list of
2: books? Yes, the the term for list of books which Catholics were forbidden to process, read, or sell under penalty of excommunication. Well, I should know this because I mm-hmm. currently identify mm-hmm. as the Grand Inquisitor.
9: Do you? Ooh,
2: yes. Huh. Is the glory of the Dominican order, mm-hmm. and that would be the Index of Prohibited Books. Straight up, very on the nose there, mm-hmm. Index
0: mm-hmm. of Prohibited Books, yeah. you say. Those happen to be the books that are prohibited. Okay, yeah. well, huh, let's just compare and contrast that with Rudy. Rudy, uh, could you tell me, what is the term for the list of books which Catholics were forbidden to, it says process, but... Does that mean produce, read, or sell under penalty of excommunication? Okay, well, that's what's known as the Index of Inclusive
3: Books. Huh, inclusive? Inclusive. So... Careful of what we're including here. Or inclusive books, Hmm. you say. Okay,
0: all right. Well, Yolanda, you got options. The term of the list of books which Catholics used to be forbidden to read or sell under penalty of excommunication... Uh, Rudy says it's the Index of Inclusive Books. I don't like that buzzword there. But uh, Adrian says it's the Index of Prohibited Books. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? <laughs> who's
1: wrong? Yolanda, what say you? Well, these are hard. Uh, I guess it's prohibited, so it would be uh, whoever said the prohibited book. <laughs> Survey <laughs> says. Yes! I, Yolanda, you are... You are truly amazing.
0: You are an astute, so wise, wise. Because in, not only did you get the correct answer, but you also masterfully had to avoid admitting Adrian was correct. You know, L- Yolanda, it's a scientific fact that brilliant. when you go with
2: Adrian, you automatically become ten times younger. You uh, get smarter, wiser, more attractive. It's it's scientifically proven. Uh, just trust the
0: science, Yolanda. You are brilliant. You are correct. It is the index of prohibited books. Uh, bring back the glory days. I would say. Uh, it would be good to have that again. Just but as long
2: as you put me in charge.
0: Nonetheless, you're in. You could win. Let's see if we can't double your chances now with a mm, tricky but not really tricky question here. Going back to Rudy. Rudy? hmm Huh. Mm. Okay. Are, are, mm, yikes. Okay. Is mm. fortitude one of the fruits
3: of the Holy Spirit? One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Fortitude. Uh, no,
0: it's not. No, I don't think so. No? No, no. Okay. All right. Well, Adrian, this could be tricky. Actually, in hindsight, I think this is one of those tricky ones, because you get confused <laughs> with a bunch of other things, but let's just see what Adrian says. Adrian. That's my name. Is
2: fortitude one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Well, fortitude sounds like a uh, quite a delicious treat to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, Mm-hmm. You got apples, you got oranges, you got fortitude's... Pineapple. So, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. it is a fruit of the tree of the Holy Spirit.
0: I am on carnivore oranges. and can't have fruit, so there's that. But, uh, Yolanda, you got options. Is fortitude one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Adrian says yes, of course. And Rudy says no. No, it is not. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Yolanda, what say you?
1: i go with Adrian. Go the other way. Say Rudy. Just say Rudy. Oh, oh, oh. Say Rudy. Just say the name Rudy. <laughs> okay, Rudy. Oh, I heard
9: Rudy. I heard Rudy. Rudy. You heard Rudy, right? I heard Rudy. That's right, right.
0: Well
2: played, Yolanda. In fact, no, it is not one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But there
4: you go. Fortitude is one of the
2: cardinal virtues. Yes, praise be. Uh, See, I told you it was tricky, but you're in for two, true. Yolanda.
0: God love you. Thanks for laughing with us. We
2: appreciate it.
0: Okay, thank you. We're going to put you on hold, Yolanda. Have a great day. That's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we would love to chat with you directly about whatever's on your mind. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to hang out with us on one of the live video feeds. Until then and until tomorrow, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
5: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
4: Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is the We celebrate the Tuesday in the 32nd week of Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Let my prayer come into your presence. Incline your ear to my cry for help, O Lord. Let my prayer come into your presence. Incline your ear to my cry for help, O Lord. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. On this election day in the United States, we'll be using the collect for the nation. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ have, mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who arrange all things according to a wonderful design, graciously receive the prayers we pour out to you for our country, that through the wisdom of its leaders and the integrity of its citizens harmony and justice may be assured and lasting prosperity come with peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Reading
11: from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. Beloved you must say what is consistent with sound doctrine, namely, that older men should be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, love, and endurance. Similarly, older women should be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to drink, teaching what is good so that they may train younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, chaste, good homemakers, under the control of their husbands, so that the word of God may not be discredited. Urge the younger men, similarly, to control themselves, showing yourself as a model of good deeds in every respect, with integrity in your teaching, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be criticized, so that the opponent will be put to shame without anything bad to say about us. For the grace of God has appeared, saving all and training us to reject godless ways and worldly desires, and to live temperately, justly, and devoutly in this age as we await the blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of the great God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to deliver us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people as his own, eager to do what is good. The word of the Lord. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. The
4: of the just comes from
11: the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good, that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant you your heart's requests. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. The Lord watches over the lives of the wholehearted. Their inheritance lasts forever. By the Lord are the steps of a man made firm and he approves his way. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Turn from evil and do good, that you may abide forever. The just shall possess the land and dwell in it forever. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord.
4: Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. To Jesus said to the apostles, Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or t- tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I'm finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you've been commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. In our first reading, we are hearing from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. And St. Paul, we know, has sent Titus to care for the church in Crete. Now, something we didn't hear from the ending of chapter 1 yesterday was this. St. Paul writes, One of them, a prophet of their own, once said, Cretans have always been liars, vicious beasts, and lazy gluttons. That testimony is true. Well we can certainly see that Titus had quite a task. And indeed, in, in, in more general, we can say that the, the, the believers in Crete had quite a task to grow in the midst of this cultural setting, to grow into a way in which they would live holy lives, in which they were truly following Christ and coming to be truly sons and daughters of the Father within themselves in every way. And so it is that in our reading today, we hear St. Paul giving instructions on how older men should be led to live, younger men, older women, younger women. Some some verses omitted speak about how slaves need to live in the midst of the Cretan society. And of course, we know that in different degrees, we find this in all of St. Paul's letters, right? Especially the second half of them, is that often they're turning to practical application of, of the great truths he laid out in the first half. He says, okay, now this is how you have to live. And we know that this teaching of church continues as we learn how we need to live, things to do good toward God and toward other people. And as we seek to live well toward other people, that sometimes is person to person, one on one, sometimes it rises to the level of groups, as we interact in groups, or what we might call the social level, when it comes up to the level of societies, nations, cities, economies, international relations. And here, too, the Church has always had teaching of what is right and wrong in the way that we live at that social level. Now, I don't suppose that the average believer to whom St. Paul was writing would have had much influence there in the first century on these things. But Some of them did. Remember back in St. John the Baptist's ministry that... Tax collectors and soldiers, Roman soldiers who responded to him asked, "How should we now live? Now that we've responded to this preaching of repentance, how should we live?" And he gave them instructions. "This is how you and these public positions should live rightly. And we see in the Gospel of John, two members of the Sanhedrin Council in Jerusalem, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, were responding to Jesus, and so they were faced with the challenge, as members of this council, how can we live rightly? And even in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, we see among the greetings he gives in the final chapter, he speaks of the holy ones in Caesar's household. So what in the first century was certain individuals in public positions, to you and me who live in a democracy, in a republic, well, that becomes incumbent on all of us. Because what might have been just a few individuals in the first century, all of us, all of us have the opportunity, first of all, to vote as citizens, but not just to vote on a day like today, but to speak, to influence, to persuade, and to work cooperatively with, with others in this social setting in which we live. Now, of course, this can be quite a challenge, and so the Church has always had teaching of how to do this. Today we have something that we often call the social teaching of the Church. well I think, well, why do we need that? We need that because society keeps changing so rapidly. And so it is that the Church has taken its constant teaching through all the ages, and it keeps applying them to new situations, sometimes new problems and errors, that keep cropping up in our world, as things keep changing. So as we think of social teaching as beginning in the 1890s, with Pope Leo XIII responding to the results of the Industrial Revolution, and so we to talk about things like just wages and a safe workplace. And then by the 1920s and 30s, the Church needed to speak about the fascism and the Nazism that was rising. By the 1950s, talking about the reality of nuclear weapons. And also about those new nations that had gained independence from being European colonies. And then by the 60s and 70s, they need to talk about problems in the environment. And by the 80s and 90s, they need to talk about problems with regard to human life and the family and human sexuality. So it keeps going all the way up till today. Our world keeps changing. And you and I continue to be called to live in this world this changing world, faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the Second Vatican Council spoke clearly about the apostolate of the laity, how all lay people, all the baptized in Christ, are called to transform the temporal order. That is, in the the everyday paths through which each of you listening to me walk, because no one else encounters exactly the people you encounter, goes to exactly the places you do, as you walk through your house, and through your neighborhood and through your workplace and through the stores or restaurants you go to, how can you bring the truth of Christ and the love of Christ into those places? And perhaps today as you go to the voting booth, and even more broadly outside of today, as you seek to influence and move society in a just direction, how can you do that effectively? Now, there is very good news here. Because we know that those in our world who are philosophical materialists, who think there's nothing real except what is physical, of course, if they lose, then to them everything has been lost, right? Because this is all there is, and so if they lose politically, that's everything. But for you and me, we know that it is not so. So it is that the Second Vatican Council wrote, After we have obeyed the Lord, and in his spirit nurtured on earth the values of human dignity, brotherhood, and freedom, indeed all the good fruits of our nature and enterprise, we will find them again, but freed of stain, burnished and transfigured, when Christ hands over to the Father that kingdom eternal and universal. And so it is that we know, even if we try but fail, or if we succeed, but then what we do gets taken apart, it's okay. We have not lost, for what we have done counts for eternity, and we will find it again. And so may you and I be faithful, faithful followers of Christ, faithful citizens, even in this time and place. For the grace of God has appeared, saving all and training us to live temperately, justly, and devoutly in this age as we await the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to cleanse for himself a people as his own eager to do what is good. And now let us turn to God, who watches over all his creatures, and let us humbly present our petitions to him. That the Lord may protect Pope Francis and help our Bishop Michael, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear
11: our prayer.
4: That he may give prosperity to our nation and preserve its inhabitants in justice, love, and harmony, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That he may protect the poor and help the oppressed, especially the most vulnerable, let us pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. That God may give us grace to cooperate through our work this day in building a world that is more pleasing in His eyes. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. O Lord our God, who love us with the Father's love, we ask that you show us your mercy and grant us what we have asked of you
11: through Christ our Lord.
4: brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Look with favor, we pray, O Lord, upon the sacrificial gifts offered here, that celebrating in mystery the passion of your Son, we may honor it with loving devotion through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Holy Father, Lord of heaven and earth, through Christ our Lord. For by your word you created the world, and you govern all things in harmony. You gave us the same word made flesh as mediator. And He has spoken your words to us and called us to follow Him. He is the way that leads us to you, the truth that sets us free, the life that fills us with gladness. Through your Son you gather men and women whom you made for the glory of your name into one family, redeemed by the blood of His cross and signed with the seal of the Spirit. Therefore, now and for ages unending, with all the angels, we proclaim your glory, as in joyful celebration, we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Degus Sabaot, Pleni Sunceli Gloria Tua, O in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, you are indeed holy and to be glorified, O God, who love the human race and who always walk with us on the journey of life. Blessed indeed is your Son, present in our midst, when we are gathered by his love, and when, as once for the disciples, so now for us, he opens the scriptures and breaks the bread. Therefore, Father most merciful, we ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit to sanctify these gifts of bread and wine, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, on the night of the Last Supper, he took bread and said the blessing, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, Holy Father, as we celebrate the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Savior, whom you led through his passion and death on the cross to the glory of the resurrection, and whom you have seated at your right hand, we proclaim the work of your love until he comes again, and we offer you the bread of life and the chalice of blessing. Look with favor on the oblation of your church, in which we show forth the paschal sacrifice of Christ that has been handed on to us, and grant that by the power of the Spirit of your love, we may be counted now and until the day of eternity among the members of your Son, in whose body and blood we have communion. By our partaking of this mystery, Almighty Father, give us life through your Spirit. Grant that we may be conformed to the image of your Son, and confirm us in the bond of communion, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, with all other bishops, with priests and deacons, and with your entire people. Grant that all the faithful of the Church, looking into the signs of the times by the light of faith, may constantly devote themselves to the service of the Gospel. Keep us attentive to the needs of all, that sharing their grief and pain, their joy and hope, we may faithfully bring them the good news of salvation and go forward with them along the way of your kingdom. Remember our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the peace of your Christ and all the dead whose faith you alone have known. Admit them to rejoice in the light of your face and in the resurrection give them the fullness of life. Grant also to us when our earthly pilgrimage is done that we may come to an eternal dwelling place and live with you forever. There in communion with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with the Apostles and Martyrs, and with all the saints, we shall praise and exalt you through Jesus Christ, your Son. Through Him and with Him and in Him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Amen. Agnus <laughs> qui tollis peccata mundi misere nobis Agnus Dei, quit holis peccata mundi, misere nobis. Agnus Dei, quit holis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where He gives me repose, near restful waters He leads me. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where He gives me repose, near restful waters He leads me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and will be forever, Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want, fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose, near restful waters he leads me. Let us pray. Nourished by the sacred gift, O Lord, we give you thanks and beseech your mercy, that by the pouring forth of your spirit, the grace of integrity may endure in those your heavenly power has entered, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.
10: From every thought of suicide and abortion, we implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord.
11: Father Cedric Pisania from Holy Name Retreat Center in Houston.